Good. Well, thanks. I'm real excited about an opportunity to speak again. And end times has been something that has been a passion of mine for, for many, many years. And so today it's, it's kind of a little a branch part. And I want to talk about heaven itself. So not so much the timing of the rapture, which is uh, one area that I've studied probably the most, but heaven itself. So let's, let's start. And we have the situation room here is, is the, the Last Supper. And so Jesus, in John chapter 14, he announces that Judas is going to be the one that betrays him, and he sends him out. So now Jesus is here with 11 of the disciples that are left. And as, as he's sitting there, he says, Now, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. So it's a given that people believe in God. He says, okay, you believe in God. Now, what I'm going to tell you here is really important. In my Father's house are many mansions, many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, receive you to myself, to where I am, there you may be also. So imagine this. Creation, God created the entire world, the planets, galaxies. What, six days? Six days. And so he says, I'm going to go and I'm going to spend, we now know, 2,000-ish years working on the new heaven, the new Jerusalem, our new home, right? So I can imagine, he's up there, he says, okay, and remember, he, he knows every hair on her head. He knows this inside out, right? Okay, well, Dean, I know Dean really well. So let's see, for Dean here, I know exactly how soft his sofa should be. I mean, we, we're going to decorate this place inside out. I know how to stock his fridge. It's going to be just exactly what he likes. And it's just the ambiance, the lights he has. In fact, for Dean... We got a back room with every Jewish publication that's ever been released, every book that's ever been out there. And or but Becky, on the other hand, she walks in and it's plain and simple. God's preparing this. It's as simple as can be, because He says, you know what? She wants to decorate it herself, and she doesn't want it all done for her. <laughs> so she comes in and she has eternity to do what she wants, or redecorate and remodel, right? And so Hannah, on the other hand. Um, I can imagine God saying, you know what we need to do for Hannah? We need this beautiful plot of grass. See, it's illegal to walk in grass over there. She, she stayed at her place, and actually she'd go out in the evening, she'd take her shoes off, and she'd walk around her property in her bare feet. Because it's illegal. You can see the grass, these small bits of, of grass in the city, but you're not allowed to walk on it. So in heaven, God knows exactly what she wants. And so he's going to be preparing our homes in heaven specifically to what our desires and exactly what we want. And he isn't working just for six days. He's working for thousands of years, on a couple thousand years on our home. So a lot of people have a mixed up perception of what heaven and hell is. And in fact, you see many people that haven't grown up in a church, sometimes the perception is this. You know what, I'd rather go to hell. And we'd hang out, we'd talk, and it'd be fine with drink beer and just have a grand old time for eternity. And heaven, no, you know, I'd sit there on the clouds and play this harp and be careful I don't fall through the clouds and to who knows where. And that's people's perception on heaven and hell. And even within the church, I think we have a lot of wrong perceptions on what heaven is. I was, I remember, multiple times I've heard, but I remember one time specifically, and one of the, the worship leaders years ago said, okay, everyone, make sure you're standing up and worshiping. You better get used to this because you're going to spend eternity worshiping God, day and night. Now, you know what? The Bible does talk about 
some angels that get the pleasure of worshiping God day and night, forever and ever. But um, now, I mean, I can imagine God's presence is going to be incredible, face to face with God's presence. In fact, the Bible says we will, he will never leave us. You know, we're always going to be in his presence. And so there's never going to be a time when we're not. And I can imagine hours in God's presence, maybe through eternity. There might be times where we spend days or weeks in the throne room, just soaking up his presence, worshiping before him. But does the Bible really say that we're going to be day and night worshiping? And if not, what else does the Bible say that we we should be aware of? So why study the topic of heaven? Why is it important? Is it applicable to us today? Is it important? Imagine this. You guys are for five years, you're saving up for the trip to Hawaii with the family. And so you take, you take the penny jar and you, you, know, you add to it all the time. And one, you know, one day you empty it all out and you wrap it all and you count out how much money it is. You give up your McDonald's meals. I mean, you prepare this for five years as a family. You save and you're ready. Well, what do you start doing as you get closer and closer to this trip to Hawaii? What do you do? You go to the travel agent, you get the brochures, you... Um, you know, you get all the information you can, you go online, go on the internet, look at all the pictures, you start booking, you plan, you know, what's it like, what kind of activities do we do? You know, can we do paragliding, gliding? can we do, um, you know, scuba diving, can, what kind of tours can we do, can we do this big you know, bike trip down? You, you start to envision, you start to imagine. But why do we not necessarily do that as much about heaven as we should? We're going to spend eternity there. And the perspective that God gives on our eternal home. In fact, he says this. He says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moth and rust will destroy. Instead, put your treasures in heaven. That's where our perspective is, is for our eternal perspective. In Colossians chapter 3, it says, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So God's instruction to us is that we have an eternal perspective, that we set our minds and hearts on heaven. Our imagination should be free. Now, the Hawaii trip, we don't necessarily know all the details. We get bits and pieces, and we get real excited, we get real energized for all the details. Now, when we get there, we realize it's not exactly how we imagined, but the process was so worthwhile because it gets us prepared for anything. And so then all of a sudden, you, you, you know, having to give up those McDonald's meals, many of us have, on what heaven is really like, and we don't have that full vision, that full passion that you want us to. I pray you open up our hearts. Let us see new things. And even me, just as I'm speaking, all of a sudden just new things will, will open up to all of us here. And just to see it in a new way, I pray for uh, just that, that vision that gives us the drive when times are hard, when situations sometimes warrant us having a heavenly perspective rather than an earthly perspective. Jesus' name. So phase one there, Rebecca, is... In fact, why don't you go to the next slide first? Let me, let me show you here the timeline. And we have here the five phases laid out. And from creation itself, the first person that died is poor Abel, right? He was murdered by his brother. Not just, not just a death, is a murder. And so the question is, where did he go during this time? Was it heaven above? Where was it, right? And then we see the second phase is the new covenant. From Jesus' death, there was a significant change that happened, which puts us in where we are now. Again, if one of our loved ones were to die today, or if we go 
early to be with the Lord, or not even early, in our time, and or, you know, what, what happens during this time here, the New Covenant? There's a short period of time that I've entitled the post-rapture, and then there's a significant change again, that heaven is much, much different again. Then we enter into this thousand-year time called the millennium. Again, significant change in the perspective of heaven, and finally we have eternity. So I want to cover these five time periods to understand um, both what's happened in the past and also what we should expect ahead. So you can go back, Rebecca, to the first slide. And the first phase is what happened when someone were to die in the Old Testament. So the Hebrew word is shoal, Greek word is Hades, you've probably heard it mentioned, and many times we associate that with hell, right? Interesting enough, it's referring to um, the dwelling place of the spirits at that time, and not just hell. Now, it refers to hell, it, it talks about hell, but also, and it talks to many people, um, refer to, you know, I'm going I'm to go to, and it, our translations translated grave many times, but the shoal is the same word. It's sometimes translated hell, sometimes translated grave. It's the same word, and it's told we're going to the depths of the earth. John chapter 3 says no one has ascended to heaven, Jesus says, except he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. Jesus said at this time in history, no one had gone to heaven. Even Elijah and Enoch, they would have, Elijah was brought into the heavens, the sky, and then he would have had to go to his temporary dwelling place. He did not enter into God's presence. Only, only through Jesus' death could people enter into heaven itself, the heaven up in the sky. So in the Old Testament time period, up until Jesus' death, people actually, there's levels, they actually went into the, basically into the depths of the earth, is where the dwelling place was. Until in Ephesians 4, it talked about Jesus going down into the depths of the earth, descending to the depths of the earth, taking the captives, freeing them, and going, ascending high above everything else. So, in the Old Testament, people talked about looking forward to a heavenly city. That's the New Jerusalem right? They didn't get to see it when they died. There's a temporary place. And the prophecy says that, God, you have not left me in Shoal, implying that they're going to be in Shoal for a period of time, but at Jesus' death, they're transferred. Okay, so phase one, this is, a lot of people don't teach this or realize this, and the first time until Jesus' death, people didn't go to heaven above. Now, God was in heaven above, but no one was able to enter his presence yet at this time. But that shifted. So in phase two, two slides ne- next, we see... She's good. And um, we see that at Jesus' death, and I kind of just already mentioned this again, he went, he took basically paradise. It is called paradise in the Old Testament. And he took paradise and brought it up into the heavens. So at this moment, if someone dies, they're immediately in heaven, in the skies above, is where it is. And actually, let me go and explain this story in Luke chapter 16. The story, now, it's, some people call it a parable. It's the only one in scripture that mentions a person's name. It's very likely it's not a parable. And this is Lazarus and the rich man. It's not the brother of Mary Martha. Martha. It's another one called Lazarus. And he was a very poor, very poor man. He had sores and boils and everything else all over his body. And um, and so he, the way he ate 
and everything else is just from the scraps. In fact, the dogs would lick him and everything else. That's such a rough situation he was in. And he'd eat the scraps off the rich man's table. Well, both of them died. Jesus explains this story. He says they both died, and the Lazarus went to Abraham's side. The rich man, it does mention, went to, and the rich man says, while he was in Hades, he looked up and seen a far way off, he saw Abraham and Lazarus. So he said, hey, Abraham, can you do me? I'm in utter torment. He was in torment. He says, I'm in torment here. Can you at least send Lazarus to dip his finger in water, come over and just touch the tip of my tongue? That's all I'm asking. I need some relief. Just a little bit of water, just whatever's left on his fingertip would be so much better than what I have right now. That's, what, that's how much he was longing, how much he was in torment. And Abraham's response is, says, I'm sorry. There's a huge chasm between us and you. No one that's on this side can go to that side. No one on that side can come to this. shows that the decisions that we make on this earth are eternal. There's no changing back and forth afterwards whatsoever. And, and then the dialogue went back and forth a little bit. But this gives us huge insight into actually the first phase before Jesus' resurrection or Jesus' death. And um, at this point, you can see again, now there's different layers. So understand, prior to Jesus' death, um, it actually said that Lazarus was comforted, right? So it was a good deal for Lazarus. And on the other hand, the rich man was tormented. So we see that. Okay, so, um, but there's some insight there that gives us insight into other areas of Scripture even afterwards. For one, how many, of the, how many of our five senses that we know are mentioned there? Four of them are actually mentioned in that small passage. We see him in utter torment. That's our touch. We see him looking afar off. That's our sight. They conversed back and forth. He says he called out. We see our hearing. And asking for the touch on his, on his tongue, just the bit of water on his tongue, we see the taste. And we, we can assume there's smell and so much more stuff in heaven. And this is actually on both sides of the aisle at, at this time. But we can see that heaven is going to have a richness of senses and everything else. It's also interesting, and he, but now the interesting thing comes up now, is the bodies were not the new resurrected bodies yet. And they still had all those senses. See, what happens right now, the time period we're in, if someone were to die. And what happens to the physical bodies? It gets left behind in the earth and deteriorates. And, you know, and, and our, our bodies are left behind at this point. We don't have our earthly bodies, but the resurrected bodies, it talks about in 1 Corinthians 15, are not given until Jesus' coming, second coming. right? So we don't get our new resurrected bodies yet. So if someone dies today, what do they get? A dis, are they in a disembodied spirit floating around? What, what does it look like? Well, there's some hints the scripture does give, fortunately. It doesn't leave us hanging. And uh, the one is on the Mount of Transfiguration, Matthew chapter 17, where you see Jesus coming and Moses and Elijah appear at this point. Remember, they haven't yet gone to heaven. They would have been waiting in Shoal, in the good part of Shoal, the different layers, during this time, and they came in what bodies look like their normal bodies because Peter, James, and John said, you know what we're going to do? We want to build some tents for you. They kind of misunderstood. They thought this was one of the special feasts and, and periods there. And they said, um, we want to build that, assuming that we can tell that they had natural, real bodies. 
Revelation chapter 6 talks about the spirits that are beheaded during the tribulation. And this is before the rapture, going in, going in the timeline, the pre-wrath view that I mentioned before. And so it's the exact same time frame we're in now. And they were given robes to wear, white robes to wear. Right? So you can see a physical form. But it's a temporary body is what we're given at this point. So I believe we're given temporary bodies that are good, but they're not yet the eternal one. So even everyone right now, it's exciting. In fact, they're going to um, the New Jerusalem, which is being prepared. The new heaven is being prepared. When someone dies right now, Paul says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Right? The moment I leave this body, I'm with the Lord. And if anyone has, you sit with a person as they're dying, and, you, and, and all of a sudden their life just disappears, you can almost, there's almost an instant change. It's almost like they're not there, but their body is there, but they're not there. It's a, it's a different feeling is what it is. And Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians 5. He says that we're wearing like this tent of what it is. It's a temporary dwelling that we have, and it actually puts blinders on us that we can only see in the physical realm around us. And we're actually blinded to the spiritual dimension. We only see in part where we are right now. But when this body leaves us, and, or we leave the body, we are instantly in the presence of the Lord. That blinder is removed, and now we have that entire perspective. It talks about in 1 Corinthians 13, we know in part. Actually, first of all, it says, we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. And the church of Corinth that Paul is talking to is known for these bronze mirrors that don't compare it to our mirrors today. They can be warped or garbled or not really clear. And we see in that mirror dimly is the illustration that he gives. But then we're going to see just as we are also seen. We're going to know. We know in part, then we'll prophesy in part. And so we're going to have this complete awareness. All of a sudden it's going to make perfect sense things around. Now, does that mean we're going to know everything? Not yet. There's going to, in fact, I don't think we ever will. The Bible talks a few times of illusions of learning, of progress. Because we're, as humans, God made us. We love to learn. Martin Luther said this, if God were to hold in two hands, hold our two hands, in his right hand, he had immediate knowledge of everything. You could know everything you ever needed to know. And in his left hand, you have the opportunity of the progress of learning, including the struggles of doing so, I would take from his left hand. God has made us with the desire to learn, to see progress, to know more tomorrow than, than today. And that's what he likes. And so knowing in completeness that it talks about in 1 Corinthians 13, all of a sudden we can ask God. There's no mysteries that are held back from us. Those are revealed, but that doesn't mean we, we can't learn. That doesn't mean there's not going to be progress all the time. So right now, that means anyone dies, we're immediately with the Lord. If we're raptured, well, the rapture is the next part. I'm getting ahead of myself. So we can see the perspective of where we are. The New Jerusalem. I think people will be roaming the New Jerusalem. They'll be sitting in God's presence, worshiping Him. They'll be able to take periods of time and walking from His presence. They'll be able to explore the world around. They'll see the New Jerusalem in all of its glory as God's preparing it. Some of it under construction, some of it done. I'm not sure exactly how it's going to be. They'll be able to have part in everything that's going on in heaven. So now, now the next phase is the third one, is a short period of time that ranges anywhere from a, maybe about a year to, to three years. It's probably between a year or two, because um, the Bible says no one knows the day or the hour. 
But we do know the times and the seasons, and we know that it's going to occur during the Great Tribulation in the last three and a half years, is, is when we're raptured. There's a seven-year period. We call it, some people call it the, the Tribulation. It's not in Scripture called the Tribulation. We'll call it Daniel's 70th week, a seven-year period that we're here for. We're raptured. We don't know the day or the hour sometime during those last three and a half years. That period of time, then God pours out his wrath. We're raptured before God's wrath. But we will be here for some of Satan's wrath. And so we want to make sure our hearts are prepared. And so as that happens, we're caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And it says, thus we will always be with the Lord. And so there's never going to be a time that God leaves us and we'll be, we'll be without the Lord. In fact, um, I can, can imagine him over time, and it, the Bible isn't really clear, but some people suggest that it's, it's possible that we'll have rain of the, the galaxies and the planets, and, and everything will be, you know, just we'll have so much more that we get to explore. And I can imagine, you know, it's, we're not going to see a situation where God's going to say, you know what, let me, let me leave here for a couple weeks. I'll be back, don't worry. I'm going to leave for a couple weeks and prepare that galaxy over there. You know, it's, we're not going to see that. There's never going to be a time we're not going to be with the Lord during this. It says, thus will it always be with the Lord. So during this time, um, the, another question that comes up for that, both that phase and the previous one now is do people have awareness of the world and the happenings here today? The scripture gives some clues. And actually it does. And in Revelation chapter 6, it says that the, the spirits of those who had been beheaded as they were there, they cried out and says, how long until you avenge us? And they were said, wait a little bit longer. There's so many things that are spoken in this passage. Wait a little bit longer until the, time, the number has come of those who are going to be martyred has occurred. And you can see that they have awareness of the world around. In fact, there's a lot of clues in here. They also, you can see, they call it out in a loud voice. We see emotion and passion, right? We see um, unity. They cried out together in a loud voice. We see awareness. We see memories of times past. They actually knew how they died, but we, you know, there's, and the Bible later says it wipes away all the bad memories. Basically, we're not going to remember anything like that in, in the past. Anything that bothers us there, it talks about in the new, the new heavens. And so many other clues that it gives us there when you really meditate on those scriptures. So during this time, I believe we will have awareness of God's wrath poured out on the earth. We'll be able to watch and observe and in understanding God's righteousness, that these are righteous judgments. Um, they make so much, they'll make so much sense to us at the time. We call out. This is actually an encouragement to me, one of my favorite passages in Revelation. And it, people, the, as we cry out, it actually talks about us in heaven, crying out and say, Lord, holy and just are your ways. And one day, sometimes we don't understand everything. How can a, a loving God allow people to go to hell? How come there's pain and suffering here on earth? There's certain things that are, are difficult for us to understand. But I happen to know through a, a, an image in advance, when we get to heaven, we're all going to sit down and we're going to say, God, holy and just, everything you did makes perfect sense now. Now we trust you. And that encourages me when I don't understand everything to know that one day I'll look back and say, it what did make sense, it was right, I was only limited by my understanding at the time. And so that's a very important perspective that, that Scripture gives. So during this time, um, all believers, Old Testament, New Testament, and those who are raptured will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. We're given our new bodies. In fact, what do our new bodies 
look like? It says in 1 Corinthians 15 that Jesus is the first fruits, and then we, everyone else, will get our new resurrected bodies at his coming, right? So that means that everything that we saw from Jesus after his resurrection is a foreshadow of what our new bodies would be like. And we saw a few things. Remember Jesus appeared one time? They said, are you a ghost? Are you a spirit? He says, no, 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 touch me. Touch me and see. Let me, give me something to eat. Let me show you. I am just like, I'm, I'm very human-like, but I'm in my new body. And um, in fact, in 1 Corinthians 15, it says that at the rapture will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. The corruptible will put on incorruption. The mortal will put on immortality. We get these brand new bodies, but we can eat, we can touch, we can feel, we can be felt. They touch Jesus. Um, but yet, there's some interesting things. He appeared in the room. Behind, it, it specifically said behind locked doors. It was clear about that. You know, so what kind of transportation means? What can we do? You know, I believe that we'll be bound by certain laws of physics. I believe it's going to be more natural than many people realize. Um, but yet, the angels um, float around. Jesus just appeared. We may have rain. I'll be able to fly and float and... And who knows what kind of stuff we can do. And it's you know, speculation on some of those. But I believe we're going to have so much rain of the world around. So now we move on to the fourth phase. And during, now it's, it's important to realize that during this seven-year period, the rapture comes, every believer is raptured. So everyone that has accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior is given the new bodies the old, anyone who has died prior to that is given their new bodies. But some people, especially the Jewish people that have not yet accepted Jesus, there's a huge group that finally recognize the Messiah at the end of that, that, that seven-year period. They will now accept Jesus, and they will enter into the millennial kingdom in their earthly, natural bodies. Anyone that's died. Now, the, right, the wicked are supposed to pretty well be um, destroyed during the Battle of Armageddon. And, but yet, many people will pass through. And maybe some people up in the hills, righteous and unrighteous, will pass through. So understand, during the Millennial Kingdom, we're going to have us in our resurrected bodies, but we're going to have thousands, and by the end of the thousand years, could be millions or billions of regular human beings coexisting with us during this time. We're talking that we're going to rule and reign and we have opportunities in our position um, and in the resurrected bodies to interact during this. But not only do we have this, the difference between our spiritual bodies and the, these natural humans at the time, and, which is a good thing for them too. Um, in fact, it's, like, it's going to be like the Garden of Eden restored. So it's going to be incredible for them as well. It's not going to be like this. Um, Satan is bound and thrown into the bottomless pit for that thousand-year period. So Satan's not there. But people can still sin. We can't blame everything on Satan, right? So people will still sin. They have that choice in those bodies. And in fact, the, the Bible says that the sun will be seven times brighter than it is now. The moon will be as bright as the sun. And so it's going to be... Um, but So some scientists actually say that there will be a canopy of water, just like uh, pre-flood... They said there's a canopy of water that kept everything so um, pure. That's why people lived to be nearly a thousand years at that time. And it'll get restored to there or actually the Garden of Eden, even prior to that. And so 
what they say is that canopy of water will cause like a pinkish light rather than the current light we have. We're not going to have any ozone effects or anything else. It would be completely unpleasant. It's going to be incredible during that. So it's not bright that it overwhelms us. But just, in fact, it, it says, Jesus says, you don't even need the sun in the New Jerusalem because my, my own presence will light everything. It doesn't say there's no sun, but it says you don't need the sun during this time. So now, this is interesting because we have this bubble of New Jerusalem that's different than the rest of the world. There are prophecies that are given of the New Jerusalem during this time that says he's going to wipe away every tear from their face. There will be no more weeping during this time. Nothing wicked or unrighteous or unholy will enter into the New Jerusalem. It's going to be perfect in that sense. But that doesn't apply to the entire planet. Because the rest of the planet, people will have opportunities to sin, to die. There will be that. People are still in their natural bodies. Granted, it's like the Garden of Eden. In fact, um, the New Jerusalem, and let me explain a little bit about the New Jerusalem. So at the beginning of the thousand years, I know some scholars place a new heaven and a new earth at the end of the thousand years. And I've actually looked at this, and many other people have, and there are some confusing scriptures there, but actually it, 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 it does appear real clearly that the new heaven, the new earth, and the new Jerusalem appear at the beginning of the thousand years. Now, it's interesting because there are people that die in the Battle of Armageddon that for, I believe it's a period of seven years afterwards, we can go and look on their bodies as kind of a memory of the, of the time past. So there's, now it says that the old, the former earth will pass away, but the language used is very similar to that used for the flood. The earth was destroyed by the flood. does not mean it was completely destroyed, the planet. It means it was refreshed. And it, now we know that it's never going to be destroyed by a flood again. It's going to be destroyed by fire this next time, which happens during the trumpets and during the seals. The entire planet will burn up. And so God's going to renew the heavens and the earth, and it's going to be incredible on what he's going to do at this. Um, and what did Jesus say at the end of when he, in creation? He says, it is good. Right? The earth, the planets, the solar system, the creativity in the earth, everything he did was good then, and it will be good again. He's going to restore it. It's still good. It's fallen. There's some destruction mixed in. And he's going to restore and renew all of that. So now the Jerusalem... It's huge in perspective. Imagine this. This is where God's making our homes. And it's, it's actually, it's, like, it, it's the same width and height, and then it's, or the width and length, and it actually says it's the same height as this. It's 1,400 miles um, in the three directions. Now, height, some people say it could be a cube, and so we have different layers. If there are different layers, you know, some people say that we can, we can have like a ranch each fitting in that. Like it's, it's so... It's so massive. And it's, it, it's hard to know, are we getting a ranch-sized property? Are we getting smaller places and then we can live? That's our summer home. We can live out on the rest of the planet. Um, the rest, there's plenty of room. It's going to be incredible what it is. And, but now, Rebecca, why don't you go to this next slide? Here's a perspective. I overlaid 1,400 miles on top of Israel. Israel is the, at the middle. Look how big this is. That's, that's how big this is. And actually, it, it, this is what God's working on for us now. This is the new heaven he's preparing. And it descends down from heaven and situates itself on earth. So I believe it's almost going to be as if we today 
somehow had access to a heaven. Every once in a while we can say, let's take a trip to heaven. We want to do this. And some of the people on their natural bodies on the rest of the planet will be able to come up. And actually the Bible even says it. They'll come from the nations and bring their sacrifices and worship me. And so we're going to see the nations coming and assembling in the New Jerusalem at feasts and at significant times, but don't necessarily live there. Marlon was mentioning between the services, Scott, make sure you point out the width of the walls around it. So the walls here are actually around 72 yards. You guys know a 100-meter dash, right? How long that is? Imagine the thickness of this. It's incredible. There's nothing been built like this in history. Imagine the wall, nearly that. I mean, a nuclear bomb, a solid, solid whatever it is, gold or whatever the walls are made of, um, are, you just can't, you can't break through that. So you can see the wicked, and there will be wicked on the outside, have no access into heaven. But the righteous will be able to come and worship God. While us, in our resurrected bodies, and potentially the, the righteous people in human form, will be able to make their home and live here. This is where the throne of God... It talks about up elevation because you see the water coming down and the river of God flowing from the th- throne down the streets. It talks about the, you know, the, um, the tree of life from the Garden of Eden. That's up in heaven right now and it's here and it's going to come down again. And the tree of life is there and it, bl- it blooms or it produces fruit 12 times a year every month. Uh, now you may wonder what about seasons and that. The Bible actually talks about different seasons and different times. So I think we may have that. Are we going to have rain? I, I believe there'll probably be a lot of rain. Um, what about professions? Will we have um, opportunities to learn and use our skills? And I do believe so. Now, it's not going to be monotonous. I think if someone would rather not do that and uh, spending time in God's presence or exploring or whatever, we'll be able to do that. But people will have opportunities to use the skills and talents that they have to create, to be creative. Technology. Doesn't that seem so funny? Would we have technology in, in heaven? I believe it's very, very possible. It'll get better and better over time. People research. You'll see these kind of things in heaven because we're built, our human nature, to learn, to explore, to see things around. And I believe we're going to have all of this. And yet we can go and, and get renewed in God's presence. And we'll always be in his presence, actually. But directly at his feet, we'll be able to do this over and over during this time. Now, the height. It talks about the height. So some people say it's potentially a cube. Right? The New Jerusalem is a cube, because it says it's the same height as it is the width and length. But it's potential, what other objects? There's other objects, too, that could potentially fit in that, right? A dome. Potentially we have a, a neat dome. Because we talk about these walls around it, these massive walls with 12 gates. Oh, you know the gates, they are made of pearls. Each gate. I, I bet God was up there and he says, you know what, I think we need... Pearl gates. You know why? It makes the best jokes. Pearly gates. People enter having the pearly gates, right? So he makes these 12 gates, and there's actually going to be three on each side. And so there's actually a little bit of traveling distance between each of those gates. One named after the, each of the, the 12 disciples over, over it, and Judas has been replaced. Um, we'll find out in heaven who that is. And I think Paul kind of challenged that, right? He, a couple times he, he seemed to insinuate that he may be that, that 12th one. But um, we'll find out in heaven whether that happens or not. And in fact, you know the Hubble? This is, 12, this is 1,400 miles high. The International Space Station up in heaven, or up in heaven, well it is in the, in the heavens, the, the, by different heavens, and that actually is around 200 miles high. 
And yet, I forget the amount, it's like 17 times a day it rotates the planet. It goes 16,000 miles an hour. And that thing is just zipping around here. That's going to bump into this like 16 times a day. No, you can, so things will have to adjust a little bit. And, but the height is fascinating, which also may imply that we have the ability to transport, to, to move up and down, back and forth. The atmosphere pressure won't mess us up at all. In fact, it's probably going to be completely changed in the new Earth. And so who knows? You know, do people on the bottom going to feel bummed out because they can't see above? Well, I'm not sure if it's, going to be, if it's just going to be like some parks and creative things in bits and pieces on the way up or, or if there's going to be you know, layers of people. I'm not sure. We'll find this out. But it's going to be incredible when we get an opportunity to, to really see what it is. And if, but let me read this here in Isaiah chapter 65. And actually, Rebecca, is that easy to find? Isaiah 65. Let me give you a verse here. And why don't you start in verse 17. Let me just, this is the perspective that we see both the new Jerusalem and then we see the world around. And I didn't give you much notice there. Okay, good. So behold, I create a new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered or come to mind. And by the way, just the verse before, it talked about the, the difficult things um, that are, the former troubles are forgotten. So that doesn't mean that we won't remember, we won't be able to converse with the disciples, converse with the greats of the scripture, and find out the stories. I don't think it's saying that at all. It's talking about the former troubles, because the very verse before, it specifically said the troubles. So, okay, so keep, keep going there. And, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem as a rejoicing, and her people as a joy. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. The voice of weep. Now notice it's, it's mentioning Jerusalem, not the entire world. It's mentioning Jerusalem. Uh, the voice of weeping shall no longer be heard in her, nor the voice of crying. No more shall an infant... Now this is an interesting passage. Watch this. No more shall an infant from there live but a few days, nor an old man who has not fulfilled his years. For the child shall die 100 years old, but the sinner, this word difficult, this is New King James, okay. But the, the child shall die a hundred years old, but the sinner being a hundred years old shall be thought accursed. What this means is if someone dies at a hundred years old, they're going to be called a child. Man, that, that, that poor person died in their youth at a hundred years old. They were so young, they died before their time, and they're called accursed. So this is not the righteous, the people that are following the Lord. It's people living on the earth during that thousand-year reign that walk in wickedness, are cursed, and they would die, even they, the wicked, die at a hundred, and they're considered a mere youth. What a, what a different environment, isn't it? So you see again the difference between the New Jerusalem and the, and the rest. Now, okay, yeah, good, let's keep, keep going on there. And they shall be, build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. So many more clues as to what heaven is, right? It's not just the same thing over and over. We'll be able to do, the Bible actually talks about um, there's going to be no more sea, right? And so we talk about potentially this canopy moving from the, from the ocean up. Now the Bible does talk about boats and fishermen and that in the, in the new world. So there's not going to be no water 
But the sea that we have that separates the different continents is going to disappear. I bet it's going to go, we're going to have way more um, surface of the earth because of this. Way more to explore. I mean, the, can you imagine the cliff diving that we can do? You know, the, the new kind of things that we'll be able to do, the exploring, exploring new caves and tunnels, new parts of the, the planet that haven't been mapped before, we'll have opportunities to map that out in this, the new home that we have. But notice something. Everything I've been speaking here, doesn't it sound more natural than we may have realized? And I think that's where we get hung up as a church and sometimes our per- perception is that it's all spiritual. We're going to be in a cloud. We hope we don't fall, float through that cloud. We just kind of hover above the cloud and play a harp or whatever we do. Or we're always in God's throne room. And I'm telling you, that's going to be incredible. It's going to be I mean, beyond what we can imagine. But it's not what the Bible says that we do all the time. We're going to build houses and inhabit them. We're going to help other people do this and the rest of the, the earth. There's going to be all kinds of stuff we get to do. We get to study the, the Hawaii travel material and go and travel to different places. For eternity, we'll never run out of things that we will, we will do there. And then this goes on and on. So many, in fact, this is, talks about the, the lion laying down with the lamb. It says that the lion is going, to not, is going to become a vegetarian during this time. So the animals aren't going to be eating each other. The, the baby, in another passage in Isaiah, it talks about the baby playing by the viper's nest. And no one's worried about it. No big deal. Because the viper will not um, strike. There's no, none of this, and this is actually referring to the entire planet, just like the Garden of Eden. So now the Bible does give one hint that we're eating meats. It talks about meats and that, so <laughs> Ryan's relieved on that one. <laughs> now what that means, I'm not sure. You know, are we going to eat them, or does God give a replacement? I'm not sure, but we're not going to be left without our meats anyways, um, even though I, I, you know, there, there is going to be a big makeup and change. So let's go to the, the, fa- the fifth phase I want to mention something, too, that I've only covered a bit of what I've been studying and researching. This is the tip of the iceberg, and I'll tell you what I know is tiny in comparison to what's there in Scripture. The more I study, the more I realize I have no clue on what's there. There is so much more, and Scripture only reveals a small percentage of what's going to actually happen, too, even though there's massive amounts of Scripture about this. And so my encouragement to you is... We need to have this heavenly perspective. We need to be studying what is heaven about. What is our future home going to be like? How does that give us the, the energy? The Bible talks about rewards in heaven. Do you know it talks about different rewards? For witnessing, for martyrdom, for looking for his arrival. There's four or five rewards that are, are talked about. The things we do on earth greatly impact our heavenly home. Our, it talks about in 1 Corinthians 3, our home, our foundation is always on Jesus, right? Has no, so our, our bearing for our works have nothing to do with getting us to heaven. But what we build on that foundation, on this planet, on this earth, has an internal perspective. In fact, it gives um, six elements in 1 Corinthians 3. It says, if you build with gold, silver, or precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, or stubble, and what those ones are, when we die, it's going to be like a fire It will be tested with fire. Only what lasts through fire will remain. It says each one builds on the foundation, which is Jesus Christ. In fact, this is interesting because through all history, past, present, and future, it is only through Jesus that anyone gets to heaven, even before Jesus came. That's why they remained in a temporary place until his death. It's only then could they enter 
into heaven itself. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we can see the perspective of you know, Jesus and who he is and what he's done for us there. Okay, so moving to, we mentioned that the, Satan is bound for a thousand year period. And then, interestingly enough, he's let loose. Why? I don't know, really. But he's let loose for a period of time. He rallies together a massive force of the unrighteous people and their glorified bodies in the Eden-like environment, but he still rallies them together to fight against the Lord again. This is not the Battle of Armageddon. That happened in the beginning, before the thousand years. This is at the end of the thousand years. They come together for this massive battle, and they all assemble. And I don't know why people do it. I just don't get it. Why did Satan challenge God? He said, I'm going to ascend above God? How did he think he could do that, right? And why do these people think, I'm going to challenge God? But they do. They feel they can challenge God, and they're destroyed. And then the great white throne judgment is established, where all the dead, and it says the sea and Hades, gave up the dead at this point. And they came and they assembled for the great white throne judgment. And everyone, his, their deeds are judged according to what they did, the good and the bad they did during their life. Anyone whose name is not written in the book of life, and notice that didn't depend on the deeds anymore, that depended on their faith in Jesus, um, anyone whose name is not written in the book of life is thrown into the lake of fire. And Satan himself is thrown into the lake of fire at this point. So the eternity, our eternity ever after, phase five that we have, is really the same earth. It's going to, Ecclesiastes, he says that the earth is going to last forever. Interesting enough, right? God said this is good. I mean, he's not going to destroy everything and say, let me start again. Um, he, you know, he's renewing what he's already made. So it's going to be incredible. And so, but now we're not going to have the sin mixed in. No temptation, no sin. And people say, well, when I get to heaven, will I sin? Will I have the option of sinning? The thing is, no. Because we've, we've, had, our, we've had our choice. Right? We don't feel gypped that we didn't have a free will. We've chosen him here on earth. And, but yet, the temptation isn't there. I'm going to have no temptation to, to kill my neighbor. Right? No matter what they do. To, no. um, so there's, there's no temptation. It's just not going to cross our mind. It's not a matter of um, saying, well, I'm going to get kicked out of heaven if I do. And so we're not going to have that issue whatsoever in any kind of thing. I mean, gluttony. You know, we're going to go there. The food is going to be awesome. We can eat whatever we want. We don't have to worry if we're on a diet or not. Right? We're, we have our new bodies. They're going to work perfectly for us. And the way that, that God originally intended them for us. There's not going to be any kind of sin like that. Plus, how can we kill this guy anyways? Because he's immortal. So, and there's no special sword or anything that's going to... You know. So, I don't believe we have to worry about that. It's going to be an incredible time where we don't have to worry about holding ourselves back from not doing things that God wants. And, but we're, yet, we're still going to be able to do certain things that we can't do today in full freedom, too. You know, I mentioned, you know, eat all you want. You can talk and converse and whatever we want to do, there's nothing that really holds us back except certain things that God doesn't want us to do. Killing our neighbor or other, you know, there's different things like that that I don't think will just cross our mind. It's not even a temptation in that. So, um, yeah, and I see Matthew looking at his watch. I guess I'm probably going long here, but... um, Okay, or I, I, saw, I, I just realized all of a sudden that I'm going long. So, um, but we see that death is destroyed. It says in 1 Corinthians 15 that the last enemy 
to be destroyed is death. And so there will be no more death, and we go through eternity. I believe with the new Jerusalem on earth, but the rest of the earth still around for us to explore and visit. Possibly the planets, possibly the world around. And we'll have to see if that comes to, to pass or not. And so we have an incredible home that God has prepared for us. So I really want to, my goal today, my purpose is to give, I'm hoping to enlighten us to what heaven looks like. And there's maybe wrong perceptions of what heaven is. I'm hoping that I free our minds to kind of see it in a new way because it gives us that vision. It gives us that purpose. As we can always say, what is that heavenly home looking like? God, whatever happens here on earth, it may be difficult sometimes, but it is so worth it. Paul says in Philippians chapter 1, he says, you know what? This is kind of rough situation here and stuff like that. He says, I, de- I desire to depart and be with Christ. He said, you know what? It would be better for me just to die right now and be with Christ. That's how much better the heavenly home is than what we have now. But, he says, for your sake, I know I must remain for a little bit longer. And so, so he stays around understanding, hey, there's purpose here as well. But it's so much better to what, what God has. And God has so much in store for us there. So, Okay, did you catch all that? Because there's going to be a test next week. <laughs> yeah. um, one thing I did just want to clarify that I, I don't know if Scott clarified really or not, but between phase four and phase five, phase four is the new millennium. It's the thousand years. And the, the people who live during that phase that aren't saved somehow made it past the rapture and past the um, wrath of Satan and everything like that and aren't Christians. So they're still living on the earth during that millennial reign and they're not Christians, but in phase five, when Jesus comes back and there's the the whole battle and Satan's thrown into the lake of fire, all of the people who aren't Christians and who don't get saved by that point are thrown into the lake of fire and they go to hell forever for eternity. And then for eternity, there are no more unbelievers on the earth. It's all Christians and they're in the earth and the new Jerusalem and in heaven, right? Like in the heavenly places? Or it's all on earth? Heaven comes down with the new Jerusalem. So basically everybody who's, you know, loves the Lord and has a relationship with the Lord lives for eternity. So um, the thing is here, if, if we love the Lord and we have a relationship with the Lord, that's great news for us. But part of the perspective here of learning about heaven and learning about eternity is for those who don't know the Lord and those who don't have a relationship with him and whether they realize that they're not going to be living for eternity in heaven. They'll be living for eternity, but it's going to be in torture. And... That's something that we want to keep in our perspective for those who we love and, and, you know, our friends, our family who don't know the Lord yet, and even complete strangers. You know, it gives us this motivation to just be like, you know, it's about eternity. It's not about our time here on this earth. And just the fact is, I mean, you don't have to come to this church for very long before you hear the word grace. And it's not, you know, being a Christian loving the Lord isn't about... Uh, knowing everything in the Bible and, and keeping the Ten Commandments and knowing every law and about, you know, doing things right and being a good person. You know, because if that's what it was about, none of us would make it. Not even Andy. <laughs> so, <laughs> maybe Matthew, but... <laughs> so, really, really what it's about is just by faith 
by grace, just asking the Lord and just trusting him that he's got that uh, for you and that you just have that opportunity to trust him and love him and know that he has given us that free gift. It's not a matter of working for it. It's not a matter of um, keeping the rules, being a good person and not lying, not sinning. It's about having a relationship with the Lord. And I think that some people in a religious mindset think that it's about being good. And and I just wanted to, to just clarify that and say it's about your faith in the Lord and it's about realizing that he died on the cross for you. You don't have to pay. You don't have to be you know, trying to keep those Ten Commandments for the rest of your life to get into heaven. And, um, you know, one thing I'd like to do is just myself and, and ministry team people pray for you. If you don't have a relationship with the Lord, we'd love to just talk to you about that and, and just pray with you. And it's really, it's so easy. It's just, it's so easy. And we just, sometimes people just don't know the words to say or, or you know, what's in their heart, how to communicate that to the Lord. So we'd love to pray with you. And, um, or if you just have a loved one that you'd want us to pray with you about, um, or any other needs for prayer, we just want to, we want to be here for you and, and pray for you. And, and we do just really look ahead to heaven with, with a real desire in our hearts that we'll be there celebrating for eternity and our loved ones will be there with us. And our friends will be there with us. And, and we don't want to go through our days allowing people to not know the love of the Lord and allowing them to uh, slip into eternity, into an eternity of hell, not knowing. So, so Lord, we just ask for grace to communicate this message it's it's a real uh, open door that we can just talk to people about heaven you know asking people do they know where they're going to go when they die and i just pray for the ability to open those doors for the ability to share your word with people for the ability to talk to our relatives unsaved and and just loved ones and and even strangers that that you would just give us a compassionate heart for the lost Let us see them like you see them, Lord. Let us see with your eyes, Lord. Just give us that compassion to share with them this message of heaven. And just the joy that it will be to live for eternity when they know you. So Lord, we just ask for that freedom and the grace and the ability to share your word. And we pray, Lord, that you would just Let us walk in faith and just in grace, knowing that you have kept us. It's not about us. It's not about being good. It's about you and what you've done for us on the cross. In Jesus' name. So I just want to ask if you do want to come up, um, somebody up here will pray for you and, uh, or, you know, pray for you to receive salvation or pray for you to, um, you know, just even pray for your friends or relatives. Um, you can be dismissed and if you want to come up and pray then come up and pray